This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tab on Monday, the 14th of November 2022. A brand new week, and uh, we're kicking it off today with a little bit of a different show. Yes, we're not going to talk all about Twitter. Not today, no. We're talking Braille and Braille tech, the best for 2022. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, Happy New Week. Happy New Monday to you as well, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I have to say, though, you know, I, got, I like to get myself a little coffee before we start recording here. And I just want to, you know, give a shout out to the wonderful people at Tassimo, who've sent me nothing, by the way. That's why I'm shouting them out. I'm calling them yeah. out, actually. Yeah, you never send, send me nothing. a coffee machine. But I will say I've bought plenty of them over the years, and uh, they're really good. I've always really liked them. But there's one particular feature of it which I think makes it the best coffee machine known to man and or woman. Go on. If there be something to do with accessibility. Um, Well, I think it is. I think this is a massive accessibility feature because it kind of, um, let's just say, sorts out a particular accessibility fail that I have just done. (laughs) That you've done? Okay. Something I've done, but the, the machine was smart enough to catch me on it. Okay. So there I am, set up my little pod Put a little pod in there, made sure that the water tank was filled up properly, hit the button, came back, went to grab the cup. No cup. <gasps> forgot oh. to put the cup. Probably put the oh. mug under the thing. I, mean, I forgot to put it there. Basics. Putting a cup underneath it. I mean, come <laughs> on now. So so it did it just beep at you or did it just do nothing? Oh no, I mean, don't get me wrong, it did pour out a cup of coffee. Um Oh, well, hang on. No, but, no, 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 no. Hang on. No, no, it's good because it has a fantastic drip tray that holds an entire cup of coffee. It's genius. So it's got a cup underneath the cup. Did you drink it out of the drip tray? I did think about it. it. I did think about it. But then I thought, I don't know when last time that was clean. So I decided not to bother because I actually have decided I quite enjoy living. So- I'm sorry. No, that, that, uh, sorry, Mr. Tassimo. You should sense whether there's a cup there or not and that's not difficult isn't it either a weight sensor or some sort of laser beam shooting across which when broken knows there's a cup present come on now that's terrible boo what, for 30 dollars you want all that do you want laser beams coming out to uh, yes. assess yes, whether there's I a do, cup Stevens. in there yes, i think I you do. might be looking for a bit too much i don't even think the fancy ones do that i don't okay. know but i don't well, think the fancy coffee be. machines i know they should they should it should know whether there's a cup present or not before it would even start pouring but at least it's got the drip tray that's the good news and it's quite a hefty little drip tray yeah but now you've got to carry that thing out of your studio to did, somewhere yes. to drain it, it yes. it's not gonna you're just gonna leave it there it's gonna no, smell. no no i did i did but what i did was i just threw the whole thing in the sink and uh, i'll deal with it another day okay you mean someone else will deal with it <laughs> hopefully yes <laughs> What is this well mess that stinks of coffee in this bathroom sink? Oh. What is going on? Uh, anyway, hi. And hi. Welcome to the week. We're going to be talking today about Braille because I know it's one of your favourite topics. So I thought we'd talk about it and, uh, you know, just annoy you. But actually, we've got, we've got a brilliant guest. We have got a brilliant guest coming up. Matthew Horsepool is from the, uh, I love the name as well. Um, Horsepool just makes me smile. I, I, I think of, I think of horses swimming. Yeah, so do I. Exactly right. Yes. It's nice, isn't it? It's a nice Egg image. Wine swimming pool. Yeah, very yeah. good. Can horses Lovely. swim? Is that a thing? Do they do that? Yes, let's not upset our guest before he comes on. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So Matthew Horsepool's joining us today. He's going to talk all about that thing called Braille, but actually, more importantly, the tech behind it, right? Because we talk a lot, and I know we have talked a lot about, you know, is Braille still relevant in 2020, whatever? But actually, yes. no one cares anymore about that. They don't. Braille is relevant. Of course it's relevant. So we're going to talk about the tech, the hardware. So, yeah, we're kind of taking a little drift away from our talk about Twitter. I will say, you know, Elon, you know, he did fire, I think, another 5,000 people at the weekend. Um, did he? Yeah, Has he got like, any left? I was kind of wondering who's left running this place. Is it just hard people to fire them. Yeah. I know. Uh, I, I mean, I watched a really interesting documentary over the weekend uh, called The Elon Musk Show. I don't know if it's available outside of the UK. I don't know where this but it aired from or if it was a US thing, I don't know. But it was very interesting. And it kind of went into the whole subject of him and, you know, talked to his ex-wives, plural, and his mum This sounds a bit scary. Yeah, it was a really interesting uh, insight into him. And I didn't know a lot about the story of of SpaceX or 
Tesla. I knew he was involved in those companies. I didn't know as much about that and his involvement. I didn't realise that he, you know, when he started SpaceX, said, look, we've got enough money for three rockets, and they all failed. Uh, yes. And then the fourth <laughs> rocket that finally managed to get up there and actually be useful. Um, uh, and, uh, but, uh, but, there's but, a, there's, go on. Well, I was going to say, but the interesting thing was that the fourth, re- the fourth rocket got on, right, and actually did what it was meant to do. And then NASA just said, okay, you've got the contracts. <laughs> Thinking, wow, three rockets are in the sea, but the fourth yes. one got into the... <laughs> That's good enough for me. One, <laughs> One managed it, so therefore that's it. Here's the entire NASA contract. And here, enjoy yourself with the space shuttle. Wow. Well, like so many billionaires and self-made men and all that thing, there, there's there's quite a few times where it, it could have gone either way and he could have been bankrupt yeah. so easily, both with Tesla. There was a lot of times where it, it didn't look like it was going to happen. So it's definitely an interesting story. No matter what you think about the guy, it reminds me a lot of Steve Jobs. Well, you know, fun as, enough, as, as, yeah. as a human being, there was a lot of flaws there. But uh, when it comes to business, there was it's a really interesting thing to look at. And this is the argument, right? I mean, it's, it's like that kind of guy, someone says on the on the the documentary you know do you really want to mess with the secret sauce yes he's not perfect yes he's a flawed human but he is also a genius he's someone who is able to come up with incredible ideas and you know the, the sort of upshot of the documentary was this is a guy who is looking at creating internet and space you know finding ways to uh, have electricity uh, brought in through solar um, and also yeah. to be able to power these electric cars and also create reusable rockets so he can take everyone to Mars if they want to go there. Um, basically, he's building the tools to build a new planet. If you think about it, that's what he's doing. Well, I that's, mean, that's, and, and, you know, okay, you can think that's wrong, or, you know, and I'm, I have to say, I think let's stop looking at Earth 2 and let's focus on fixing Earth 1. Um, I'd, I'd kind of rather we, we fi- I, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to. I mean, you know, this idea he had was a, I don't know if you read about this. There was a story that he wanted to set off nuclear bombs on Mars to you know melt the ice caps so that Mars could become habitable. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, total yeah, sense. Yeah, this is the kind of yeah. thing I, I feel sometimes. This is the kind of stuff I've come up with in the past, and people have said, "Don't be so ridiculous." And I thought, I, I need to start following my dreams a bit more here because clearly I'm onto something. Nuclear explosions on farm, blow up on, Mars. Uh, planets in space. Yeah, well, uh, look, I, I I don't know how much of this is actual. He's he's creating the tools, or how much of this is actually he's creating the perception that he's creating the tools, because you know it's not go crazy here. Look, he's not we, changing we, the world. We right? had this chat on on Friday show, I think it was, where, where Robin was on, and we were talking. And, you know, Robin was making the the, the comment about. You know, one person can change the world and all this, and I'm saying, well, no, they can't. Let's and not you, go back there. But but you could make, I, I can see where the argument comes from, because people might look at someone like Elon Musk and say, well, look, he's doing it. But actually, he's not doing it. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? That it's not him. He's not alone in this. He couldn't do any of this on his own. It wouldn't be. He's not going to build a rocket. Not on his own. He had not, to go and get people no, to do it. You know, he, he had the idea. No, exactly And that was Steve right. Jobs. No, the- Steve Jobs is the same. He had an idea. But he didn't yeah, do but it himself. Not always. So a lot of the time they buy this technology. You know, Xerox was the ones behind point-and-click interfaces and Windows, really. Yeah. Steve Jobs bought it. I mean, um, Tesla wasn't created by Elon, was no, it? No, no, thought, he, thought, no, that's right. He joined He bought Tesla. into it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, at the same time, there is how much is... No, I, 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 I'm agreeing I with you. I'm just, I'm just saying that the, the idea that... You know, when we're having that conversation about one person can change the world, I'm saying, well, no, they can't, because oftentimes they may be involved in the process, for sure. Someone may have an idea, but it takes usually a million more to actually make the thing happen. Um, oh, all right. Okay. I'm, I'm leaving that one alone. All right. Okay. But when it comes to Twitter, yeah, he does seem to be sticking a nuclear bomb in that, because that's just a mess. Uh, I don't know what is going on there. But Are maybe it's one of these, I don't know, is he, is he going to destroy subscribe? it to fix it? What, if he starts charging? No, I'm not paying for Twitter. Wait. And I don't think many people will. I mean, people might, but I I think don't you want that, that tick? I, I, no, I, no, look, okay, so there's two questions here. Is he going to charge? Well, I mean, the Twitter blue is pulled, right? So they stopped that. I don't know what's going on there. It'll so be they've, they've killed that, and they'll probably bring it back in a new form. If he decides to put the whole thing behind a paywall, and you have to pay to be part of Twitter, so everybody has to be part of it, then that's when I'm out, because I'm not paying for it. I'm happy to use it. I think it's a useful tool. I think oh, I enjoy it. But I'm not paying no. for it. 
Really? Why not? You find I'm, it useful? I do. You use it a lot? Why would you not pay for that? Well, I'll tell you why. You have everything a, for it, free, Stephen it's Scott. It's the same. Well, there's advertising for that, right? That's what advertisers are supposed to be brought Good in point. for. point. Excellently made. Seven ninety nine, and still, it was and just... still get ads? still get ads. Yeah. No, no, thanks. <laughs> I'll, I, if I pay for it, I, I don't want any ads. But if I'm not paying for it, I don't mind getting ads. That's just the way it goes nowadays, right? So I'm, I'm okay with that. But the point is, you know, would I pay for it? No. I mean, this is... And, and the reason I wouldn't pay for it is because it's the exact same reason I wouldn't move to Mastodon at the moment. I have set up an account there. I'm, I'm, I want to figure out how it works and I want to play with it. I mean, I'm no... I have no issue with anybody playing with these things and testing them out. And there's a lot of great people on there already. But the mm. truth is, if, if people are starting to pay for Twitter, I think a lot of the people who I would follow, who I'm interested in following on Twitter, would maybe not be able to pay for Twitter. So I'd lose all those people. And True. so why would I want to be on there? You know, who am I going to be on there with? People who've got cash. And those are terrible people. I'm only kidding. But, you know, people, <laughs> the people who've got, you know, the money no. to spend on it, I just think that's fine. Um, it's interesting because there's been so many, there's been so much talk over the weekend about, I've heard different commentators, especially in our community, talk about, you know, there are reasons for coming off. You know, one classic being, well, Donald Trump, if he came back. And, and I often find that a little bit interesting. People say things like that, because I always think, well, yeah, we were happy to hang around when he was there the first time, right? He was there for plenty of time and saying horrendous things and you all stood by it then. Mm-hmm. Now you decide because he's, um, you know, because he might come back. And I'm no fan of Donald Trump, right? I mean, I, I'm happy not to have him on the network. He may come back in many ways. That's the scary thing. (laughs) Yeah. But I I just think that's not a reason for me to decide whether to be on there or not. I just think it's... There's other reasons. Elon's jumping all over the place trying to make this profitable at the minute. And some... He he just, you know, implements one thing and then takes it away. This could go anywhere. There's so many other ways he could make money off things. I've heard the uh, talk of putting, you know, videos behind paywalls. Um Mm. That's very OnlyFans sort of way for Twitter. But hey, if it makes money, then whatever. I, I mean, you know, he's there's uh, he needs to make this profitable. I understand that. So we'll see what happens. I'm so glad we're not talking about Twitter. I know, me too. And, but, but yeah. you know, I think going back to the bigger point, though, and I think this is the thing we need to remember, is that the entire tech industry seems to be taking a massive hit at the minute. And this is the, I think the, the Twitter story is exaggerated because of Elon Musk. And this is what I was trying to say on Friday is I think it's been so exaggerated because of Elon Musk and, it, and it his fault. Um, I think he has be, he's become the story at Twitter, but actually the truth is, behind the scenes, yeah, there are issues around money, and it's not alone. Facebook has been laying off people, Apple are on a hiring freeze, That's Amazon now looking at... Yeah, exactly my point, right? Everyone's looking at no, Yeah, but no not money. just the tech sector. I mean, everywhere, cost of living, yes. everything's so but expensive. I, I think unless, when you look at a company, company like Apple, right, you look at Apple, you think how much money they've got in the bank. How can they be struggling? <laughs> Um, and, and the answer is because the kind of way that these companies are set up is that it's built for endless quarter-on-quarter, year-on-year growth. And if you're in that position where you're forever having to grow and Apple are doing it through services, then at some point, you know, it will plateau, right? I mean, if, if you didn't have to satisfy those investors every single year, you could well, take the, the problem. You, you could take the, the, the foot off the gas and stop inventing. But I'm always minded of a comment that Steve Jobs made way back was when, when he talked about returning to Apple, a year after returning to Apple, and he talked about the amount of products that they had. And he said, you yeah, know... put a line through it, yeah. Yeah, just get rid of them all. You know, laser writers. <laughs> Remember the printers? Um, mm-hmm. uh, inkjet one I used to have, which I really liked. Ink writer or something it was called? I can't remember it now. Um, style writer, that was it. I love that little printer. But, you know... That and all the stuff that came with it, and they had you know lots of different stuff, and he just put a line through the lot, and he said, "Look, he said, you know, we have about twelve products on the go, and about umpteen variants of that." He said, "I don't even know what to recommend to people." Yeah. He said, "So you know, let's trim this back, and maybe that's something the tech industry has to start doing. Maybe there just has to be a little bit of a change because I don't think there's there's an appetite. I mean, yes, among the tech sector, among the tech journalists, among the people that we follow on Twitter and all the rest and other social networks." Yeah, they're all jumping up and down saying we want the new this and the new that. But most people don't even need it. I mean, the iPhone I've got, I got the 14 Pro. If I'm honest, I have no idea why I have this thing. I mean, I love it. It's a great phone. But did I need Mm -hmm. it? No. I've got my iPhone SE over there. There's nothing. But that's the point. You you could could leave it for five years. That's right. They could could stop making iPhones and say we're going to do it every five years and make a brilliant product, which they've done anyway. Don't have to do anything different. Just do what they've done. 
And yeah. this could be the same across the sector. Google is the same. You know, they brought out the 6A, then they brought out the 7. And it's like, you didn't even need to touch that. You could have just, the soft, the hardware that's inside the 6A, from my yes. understanding, yeah. is good enough to be, you know, handling all these features of the 7, right? I mean, the guided frame feature that we're talking about. And we're going to be doing an interview with someone on that very soon. So keep, keep listening out for that. Really interesting interview with someone from Google on that topic. But the truth is, and I'm going to be questioning them on, on this, it's like, why do I have to buy a Pixel 7 to get this feature? Yes, because by all accounts, absolutely. this feature will roll on to other devices. Now, if that's the case, well, what do we need the 7 for? And they're making out as if we need to buy the 7, and we don't. So, you know, this because is the thing that irritates me. need to be... Exactly. Uh, so we need yeah. to stop that. That's the problem right now. End capitalism. Right. There you go. There we go. That's say, on a new beat. <laughs> like a communist. What's going what's, on here? What's happened? I, honestly, I don't know. I spent one weekend on Twitter. I read seven <laughs> things to do before 7 p.m. And, you know, or what, a.m. or whatever it was. And I managed to achieve none of them. And so I woke up well in done. a grumpy mood. You know, seven things to do before 7 a.m., which includes, you know, going for a run. Well, that's never going to happen. But do something nope. in exercise form. Listen to a podcast. Well, I could do that. That's okay. I'm quite yeah. happy to listen okay. to a podcast. Yes, um, well, I'm eating not my this fry one, up. Obviously, I can but do that. someone else's. Yeah, have a fry yeah. up. Whatever it might be. Um, yeah. But you know all that, all that wonderful stuff. Anyway, I did none of it. Did none of it before seven o'clock. Didn't we got to half ten? That sort of thing. It makes you feel well, half past ten. What's wrong with that? I bet you felt better for waking up at half past ten. Have that nice little lion chilling out. You know. Exactly. No, I'm against all that. Oh, you know. Uh, oh, no, sorry. No, I'm against health and fitness. <laughs> I don't think anybody's surprised by that comment. If I'm honest. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, me. Yeah, I don't think any is a, a bother. Uh, listen, coming up this week, we're going to be having lots of interesting chats, especially around software, because we tend to talk about hardware a lot. But actually, software has been really interesting. And I want to talk tomorrow about a couple of things. One is I want to talk about with you the whole parallels experience I've been having. Um, because honestly, that we, I wanted to do a demo last week on using uh, parallels in the Mac or running parallels in the Mac. It's going to be epic. Like Lord well, I know, of the Rings, feels, this feels production. It feels like Ben-Hur, this production, <laughs> and equally as awful. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I just, I, it, it, the problem has been that VOCR, as much as I love this little application and I do, it tends to seem, it seems to pick where the audio goes by itself. It doesn't, it kind of picks You've got to a, catch it. Yes. Yeah, it chased <laughs> the audio around the system. Recording over here. No, I'm over here now. And that was the problem. So I, I was recording medley and I'm like, right, okay, so we do this and we do that. And then I'm doing the demo and then VOCR just wouldn't speak. And it was because it was in some other channel that I couldn't find. So I, was like, I don't know what's going on. So the end result is I've had to start again. So I will be doing that this week. So I can uh, share that with you. But I also want to show you uh, Launch Bar on the Mac as well, because that's a really cool piece of software. If you yeah. want to find files, if you want to navigate the file system without using Finder on a Mac. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hate yes. Finder. Good. And Hazel. Is a piece of software that you, but you are alerted to getting a new license or something. Yeah, I got yeah, I got an email saying there was an update, Hazel five point something, because I bought Hazel when I was using the Mac because ah, it's just a fantastic utility. I wish there was something on Windows that was as good as Hazel. And what is that? Is this like a file sorting Wait, system I, or something? I used to, yeah, yeah. I I set it that it would monitor a folder, and when a, a file moved into that folder it would trigger a set of actions. So you could say, right. okay, as soon as there's a you know an audio file in here, then run it to this program to convert it or you know run a batch file on it. It just automates things and it monitors the folder and, and triggers routines. It's absolutely amazing. I loved it. Well, we're going to talk about that and lots more on uh, the shows this week. Lots of interesting chats coming up. Plus more of your feedback as well. Keep it coming. We'll get into all of that tomorrow on the show. So all your emails you've been sending in, we will read them out tomorrow. There's <laughs> some interesting ones in there, you can imagine. So we'll get to that oh. tomorrow uh, on the show. None from <laughs> Dean yet in New Zealand. He's uh, been quiet. Must be happy with you. That's uh, an unusual experience. But anyway, Thank listen, you. stick around. Matthew Horspool joins us next to talk all things Braille next on Double Tap. Send us your feedback to feedback at doubletaponair.com. Leave us a voicemail at 1-877-803-4567. You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. This is Double Tap, and Sean is with me today. Now, Sean, we're going to talk about a topic that I know you just love when we do this. I know every mm -hmm. time we yeah. mention the word Braille, you get really excited. I do. I don't know. Don't, don't, don't paint me as, as that person who did miss, uh, dismisses Braille. It's not true. I'm a great fan of Braille. It's just I, I don't use it. So I, I, I yes, feel but do you know why? Because you I, don't I, ever you don't ever take part in the classes. You, you never turn up, no, no, you never no. turn up to school. Wait, wait, wait. 
Okay. Yes, I I just feel like I'm 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 too old. I'm too old. Oh, for shut Braille. up. Honestly, the amount old. of times I hear this, you have been offered so many classes by people yes. who have said, "Come along and, yes. you know, you can take yes. part in this." We've had listeners offer you into their <sighs> yes. homes virtually. Obviously, no one's going to let you in. Uh, yeah. But, you know, um <laughs> And, you know, you, you could get the chance to do these courses. I have said, let's get back and do this again. I have actually, I uh, bought myself a new desk for the corner over there, which is why this room feels as echoey as anything at the minute. It's just full of wood. Um, yes. And it's a great desk, but, but all it has right now is a coffee machine. Um, but that aside, uh, it's going to have my Braille. Uh, <laughs> it's Perkins going Braille to have. Yes, yes. It's, once I've cleared all the sugar. rubbish off it, it will have then the sugar cubes and everything else. It's going to have... The um the Braille uh, Perkins Braille on there. I'm going to set up my Braille paper. I'm going to set yeah. up my embosser. Oh, I've got so much stuff to set up on. I cannot wait. But the, see, that's the difference. You have access to Braille displays, and I I, ha- I do have access to a Perkins Braille. But ah, oh, you've access man. to a Braille display. You've got an orbit sitting there. I I don't have. Someone else has stolen that from me. But yes, there is a Braille display there. I I think that's what I need. I I can't get hold of printed materials. I, that's that's not true. I can't store printed materials. They're so massive. What do you have a leak in your roof? What's wrong with you? What are you talking about? You say you can't store them. <laughs> what well, I mean, just when you store physical them? space. It's like it's like <laughs> storing a duvet when you've got a braille book. It's huge. Ah, oh, a lot of rubbish. Listen, we've got a guest who's going to sort this out for you, and we're going to talk about braille displays and the hardware in particular because that's what a lot of people are interested in. I know that you know we talk a lot about the subject of braille, but. Actually, it's maybe time to talk and, and dig in a bit more on the hardware side, and maybe we'll find an option that suits you. Maybe you can put your hand in your pocket for once and not, you know, come out and spend money on butties and rolls and cakes and whatever else. Don't rule my life. I'm not giving up my butties for anything. <laughs> butties for Braille. That's the new campaign. Butties for Braille. By the way, um, for, for anyone who doesn't know, butties are sandwiches. Just let's just make that clear. What's a sandwich? That's not a sandwich. It's a roll. Isn't that a roll? Oh, well, roll's a sandwich. It's all no, the it's same. That's it comes ridiculous. under the general umbrella of sandwich. No, no, no. You can't, you can't umbrella eyes rolls. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Email in. Can you make... Uh, and not... for those people in North America who don't know what the hell we're talking about, Google it. Uh, right. We've got Matthew Horsepool. <laughs> Matthew Horsepool's with us today. Now, you are someone who knows a bit about Braille, Matthew. Um, you're you tell you tell us who you are. Why are you here? Yeah, <laughs> why? that's what he's you asking know. himself. <laughs> the hardest thing about doing a double tap interview is sat there letting you introduce an interview and try really hard not to unmute yourself and interject. Sorry, <laughs> hoping that at some point they'll let you speak. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the no, it's good to be here. I'm really excited to be on the program. Oh, thank Thanks you so man. much for having me. Um, yeah, um, who am I? Why am I here? Um, I'm Matthew Horsepool. I have recently gone uh, completely and utterly self-employed, and everybody thought I was completely bonkers for doing that in a cost of living crisis. But here we are, and um, and he's a millionaire. Uh, yeah, well, not quite, but um, <laughs> I, I'm earning more than I was making when I was employed. The trouble is, I'll have a tax bill to pay at the end of it all. Mm, um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> tell me about but it. No, um, I'm doing lots of braille stuff and lots of tech stuff, which is really very exciting. Um, I'm doing a little bit of um, LibLui braille table development. I'm doing a little bit of work for the Braillists Foundation, um, doing lots of contract uh, training work, you know, doing JAWS training and braille display training and, and you know, all of that sort of thing. Uh, and and tiny bit of braille transcription, although not a huge amount of transcription, because you know braille transcription is really hard. You've got to get security clearances and you know GDPR and all that really? sort of stuff. If well, I mean, if you just want to do menus, you're okay. But yes. like, if you want to do you know serious transcription, sooner or later you're going to be brailing personal correspondence you know and if you're brailing personal correspondence particularly if you're doing it for a bank or an insurance company or something like that you know sooner or later someone's going to come along and say yeah um you know you've got everyone's bank statements how are you protecting that and uh, <laughs> I, never thought I haven't that, got yeah. a good answer for them so i'll do transcription if people ask me to do it but i'm not advertising myself don't ask as sean to store them he can't store them i, I, I just can't there's no room in my shed sorry <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, well, that, that's that's yeah. I must have never thought of that way at all. But uh, yeah, doing a lot of stuff. And you mentioned the Braillists Foundation. Now we've had uh, Ben and we've had Mel on recently talking about the new uh, Braille on Demand course, which is brilliant. And uh, I have to say, and I know I've mentioned this before, but I really do think the Braillists Foundation is making Braille cool. Uh, it's making well, it thanks. accessible. 
uh, truthfully, yeah. because I think a lot of people felt, as I think we both did, Sean, for a long time, that Braille was Absolutely. A, it's not that it was dead, because I, I hate that argument, Braille is dead. Braille is only dead when the last person stops using it. Wow, that was philosophical. Well um, done, you. But <laughs> it's, it's not dead. But it did feel a little bit old and dusty for a very long time. And technology's changed that, right? Technology has kind of enabled it to be uh, relevant again. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it has. I think the other thing that's really important with this sort of thing, we're going to go off on a tangent a bit, but it's attitude. There's been a very sort of binary attitude towards Braille in the past. You know, you either read Braille or you don't. And Braille is either good or it's not good. And it's either the be all and the end all or it's or it's the nothing. And I just don't think, and certainly the Braillists don't think, you know, that that's a particularly useful attitude to have. You know, I'm a Braille user. I absolutely love Braille. I wouldn't be without Braille. But I don't get Braille bank statements. You know, I do online banking. I read my emails with text to speech, you know, and that's OK that, you know, Braille will have different uses for different people. Braille, some people will do more reading than writing. Some people will do more writing than reading. And it, it's not about, you know, you've got to use Braille for everything. It's about Braille might be useful at some point, And so you ought to learn it. And when it's useful, you'll know about it and you'll use it. Yeah. But it's very much the old cliche of another tool in your toolbox. Yeah. Right? I'm yeah. Absolutely right. Can I go back to your, yourself going self-employed? I'm, I'm really intrigued by this because as Stephen said, uh, I was told when I was looking into learning Braille a few years ago, I was told by um, my adult care services department that no, we don't offer any Braille you know, teaching at all because uh, Braille's dead. Uh, you know, there's, there's no call for it, as it was said. Now, sort of following on from Stephen's question, really, your decision to go self-employed into this field of Braille, which, which does still feel, I think, um, slightly you know, like it's... Um, Ooh, I don't know, on the back burner, maybe when it comes to screen readers, when it comes to the technology, uh, are you seeing a, a real lift in the numbers when it comes to Braille uh, users or people wanting to learn Braille? Um, I've not really been in the industry long enough to know whether there's been a lift or not, but I'm definitely seeing, you know, good numbers of people using Braille come through. Um, that said, I mean, if you've got, I don't know, if you've got four or five clients a month, you're doing well, right? You know, I mean, yeah. you know, I might, you know, in a month I might do, you know, two or three people, you know, I might train two or three people and each of those might have, you know, three or four sessions. And this is not, you know, teaching Braille. This is, I've got a Braille display and I need to know how to use it. And quite often those Braille displays have been funded through, say, disabled students allowance or through access to work. Um particularly with DSA, they might have been funded and the student actually might not have necessarily wanted one. It just, there might have been some leftover in the budget. And so, a, you know, a, a Braille display or a Braille <laughs> note taker ended up. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but they're the best, right? Because they have this Braille display thrown in. They might not have even realized that Braille displays existed up until then. Or if they did, they just sort of thought, oh, well, this isn't for me. And so if you get a client like that, it's brilliant because you can talk to them and you can say, look, look at what this Braille display can do. And all of a sudden, they suddenly realize that, okay, yeah, Braille is actually relevant and I can actually do useful stuff with this. And so, that, yeah, I, I like those clients. That's an yeah. excellent point because what I said at the intro there, I mean, I was being slightly um, humorous, a bit tongue-in-cheek about it, but it, it is true. Hang I on, sorry, when were you being funny? I just want to go back and check. Uh, yeah, what, well, what was it, that? yeah, it was very discreet. Let's put it that way. Uh, oh, uh, what right. I'm saying is that the whole Perkins and the Braille paper and the Braille books thing, I, I do feel like that's that, that's that's not for me. It, it does feel like really, I, I don't know, going backwards. And I, I know that's that's on me. That's that's something I need to get over. But when it comes to something like a braille display and and learning how to use that, I, I'm far more interested in that. Hmm. But it does seem like it just seems so mysterious. Can, so can I tell alien. you something though? From from this is just my own perspective, and I'm sure I'm be alone here in this, but. I noticed that when I started using the Braille display, um, and I'm not brilliant with it because I still have to figure out a lot of the commands and a lot of the stuff that goes with it, and I'm still a little bit behind in it. But one thing I found was that when I wanted to read notes, especially on air, I would start to use my Perkins more. It's almost like I started off really? heading towards the tech, and then I came back to the paper. And it was only because I thought, 
The one thing I wanted to be sure of was that the information I had was in front of me, like, I guess, a written note. And there's one thing about a written note, unless you've got a leaky roof, generally it's going to be okay and the, the words will stay on the page. And, you know, you're not going to have a situation where tech will let you down. In an on-air environment, you have to make sure, you want to make sure that, you know, the focus is where you want it to be, which is your fingers that are touching the paper, rather than worrying about the, the physical position of the, of the screen or something moves, you know? I suppose mm. it could be my moving away from sort of paper and printed material anyway as I was losing my exactly. sight. Maybe it's yeah. I've, I just don't see that as an option for me anymore, and I always go towards the tech. Maybe that's the, the reason. I think the problem in this situation is that the Braille display is the most reliable component in the chain, but it's having to connect to a lot of other very unreliable components, you know? Yes. So if you're reading a Word document and you get a notification pop up, the Braille display is going to display that notification. If you're reading that Word document, that's no use to you, really. Uh, you don't need that notification to pop up. Now, you can tell the screen reader to disable the notifications, but then what if that notification pops up a dialog box that you know you can't disable those dialog box from being popped up because that's not the screen reader's fault anymore that's just something decided to pop up a dialog box yeah so yeah there isn't a definitely an element of reliability and i mean if we sort of bring the discussion towards braille displays and hardware and all of that sort of thing this is why i think a lot of braille displays now are building in sort of smart features you know a lot of braille displays on the market now have a built-in document reader it's not a word processor it's not terribly sophisticated but you can copy a word document to a braille display as though it's a pen drive disconnect the braille display from the computer well or even leave it connected and just press a button and put it into standalone mode open the document and read it and then that gets around the reliability problem so maybe try and explain to us uh, with some examples of what would be a note taker, something that's standalone. And I know you're saying that some of these also have the features to connect as well. What's a standalone versus something that's connected, say? Yeah, um, the lines are blurring really, really rapidly, actually. But I mean, if we're talking about note takers these days, we're talking about probably the Braille Sense 6 or the Braille Note Touch or something in that ballpark. I don't know of any other note takers that are on a level with the Braille Sense 6 or the Braille Note Touch. They might exist somewhere. They cost about four and a half grand. They have a certain form factor about them. They generally have a very nice Braille keyboard. Um, they have, you know, 20, 32, sometimes 40, but very rarely, you know, normally 20, 18, 20, 32 cells of Braille. And then they have lots of connectivity. You know, they'll have a, an SD card slot. They'll have a, a few USB ports, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and a whole suite of applications you know you can you can have you know a proper word processor on a note taker you know a web browser an email client an address manager a diary uh, you know a lot of them now certainly the braille sense 6 and the braille note touch you can run apps from the google play store because they run android admittedly not the latest version of android um the the note touch is on android 8 the sense 6 is on android 10 but, you know, you can you can do stuff. You know, I've been on Zoom meetings on a Braille Sense 6 before. And so it really can run as a standalone setup. Compare that to, say, the Focus 40 or, well, any of the Focus, you know, the Focus 14, you know, 80, what have you, the, the brilliant BI20X, BI40X, um, even the Orbit Reader. Um, they have a certain form factor, you know. Um, a lot of Braille displays are sort of quite a, a thin... Um, strip, if you like, with Braille cells. Yeah, a Braille keyboard, but the Braille keyboard isn't the primary thing. You know, it's not always a particularly nice Braille keyboard, although it's functional if it if you need it to. But it's designed to sit in front of a computer keyboard and it's designed to connect to a computer and it just has a few sort of productivity things built in, like I say, a, a document uh, reader, mm. a very primitive editor, maybe something to read your books on you know, maybe a calculator, but nowhere near as much sophistication as would be built into a note taker and also not the same level of processing power. So for example, the brilliant BI20X and BI40X does have Wi-Fi, but it only has Wi-Fi so that it can do software updates and so that it can connect to libraries. And it wouldn't be able to have a, a web browser in it because there just wouldn't be the processing power to power a web browser. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I... 
you, you mentioned so many names there. I get so confused between the, the, the amount of different Braille displays out there. And I'm, I'm going to put my hands up and say the, the thing that interests me about Braille displays is the cost. Now, you did mention the Orbit Reader. Um, is, there, is there a huge difference? As someone who, who lives and breathes Braille, right, and, and you know the, the different Braille displays, is there a difference between the, the more affordable something like the Orbit or uh, and and the um the, the the I don't know the Focus eighty say is there a difference? <laughs> do, do you notice a big difference in the actual quality of those products? Did you- yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll actually compare the Orbit Reader with something like the Brilliant Bi twenty X rather than the Focus eighty because obviously the big difference between the Orbit Reader and the Focus eighty is the number of cells, and that yeah, will yeah. bump up the cost you know enormously. But if you compare the Orbit Reader 20 with the Brilliant BI 20X, they've got the same number of Braille cells. They've got, broadly speaking, the same suite of applications. If we talk about you know the 20 plus versus the um, versus the BI 20X, I mean it's not quite the same. You know the the BI 20X is slightly more sophisticated. But yeah, it, I mean in terms of build quality. I'm not here to knock the Orbit at all. The Orbit is an absolutely fantastic product. For many, it's the only Braille display they can afford. Um, the Braille quality, the quality of the Braille cells themselves is absolutely excellent. You know, I can't knock the, you know, the signage quality Braille that you get off the Orbit reader. It's just amazing. Right. Um, but it's a bigger form factor. You know, the BI-20X is a lot sleeker. Um, it, it's a lot smaller, a lot lighter. Um the big one for me is the noise and the speed of the refresh. So when you press the next line key on an Orbit Reader 20, you can hear, it's like a moth going across the Braille display. You can hear all of the cells refreshing. <laughs> and it takes a, about... That's such a good an- analogy. <laughs> or a brilliant <laughs> example of it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, it. that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, it takes about half a second for the cells to refresh and you can hear this moth going across the display as it refreshes. <laughs> now you imagine if you're recording double tap and you're reading your notes off an orbit reader and you know no matter what microphone you've got, no matter what soundproofing you've got, yeah. you know, that braille display sound is going to come through. It just is. And you could try and noise cancel it out, but it's not really going to work, yeah. you know. You could be uh, in a church reading the reading you could be in a corporate presentation you know in any of these sorts of environments if you're performing or presenting or recording or what have you you just don't want that noise in the background and so something like you know the brilliant line or the focus line which uses traditional piezoelectric cells yeah okay they're a lot more expensive but so much quieter yeah, I must admit, I did try when I was doing tech talk back in the day. It was, um, it was. I got my hands on one from RNIB, and I remember going into the studio with it, and th- and as soon as I heard it, as soon as I switched it on, I thought, ah, this is not going to work out. This is just not feasible. It's too noisy. It's just too noisy. I like it. It really? takes me back really? to the Braille. early eighties, like the um, you know, like a a, a teleprompter or you know, are they, like, are the newscasts, yeah, the, the, the news ticker, yeah, I know. Well, and some people do, you know, if you're if you live on your own and you want to read, you know, when you read paper Braille, you've got the turning of the pages, you've got the sound of your fingers going across the paper, and some people find that sound quite relaxing and it's quite daunting when you're reading on a piezoelectric display and you haven't got as much noise. So yeah, I mean, look, some people do find the noise very comforting. Um, some people don't mind the noise. I mean, look, you know, if you're just sat at home reading, even if you live with other people, you know, it's the sort of noise that if you hear it often enough, it's like a squeaky door or something. It's annoying. But when mm. you hear it often enough, you either fix it or or you just live with it, don't you? And so you just get used to it. Well, it's no Perkins, louder than somebody I, typing on a laptop. I know people who find the Perkins Brailler really irritating. And trust me, when you're in an office and you're hammering away on it, I, I, I find it personally really enjoyable when other people get irritated by it. So it suits me. Um, yeah. In fact, the noisier the better, I would say. If just, I can put a speaker like next to it, people. put a halo <laughs> next to it, I'm quite happy. But no, I'm, I'm at home, you know, banging away on this thing. And it's so funny because my neighbor once said to me, what was happening yesterday? Is everything okay? And and I said, yeah, yeah everything's fine. They said, oh, we were wondering if you maybe needed some help with that DIY you were doing. And I said, what DIY? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, my, my husband's willing to come around. He'll come around and, and anything you need. And Trying I said, to put that bell up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was the, it was the brailler and she was and I, I yes. brought her in to show her and she was like 
wow what where did this thing come from which museum did you steal this yeah yeah um but it's incredible but i I still love my brailler you know for christmas cards we're approaching christmas i mean i hate writing christmas cards right i I absolutely hate it but if i have to write christmas cards i'm doing it on a perkins i'm not connecting up to a fancy braille embosser to do my christmas cards that's true yeah anything like that you know, labels. Um, I, I'm one of the lucky people that's got a Dymo tape adapter for the Perkins. I don't think you can buy them in the UK anymore. You might be able to get them in Canada still. Hmm. Um, but like a little metal thing that goes in the brailler. So if I want to braille on Dymo tape, I can do that on the Perkins. If I want to braille on sticky plastic, you know, to label other things, I can do it on a Perkins. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, if I'm actually writing notes for a presentation and it's not terribly convenient to take the braille display, then yeah, I'll sit down at a Perkins and write notes. It doesn't happen very often, but I have definitely been known to do it. There's that, um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the company. I want to say Six Dot is, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the label maker. The label Logan maker, Logan Technology, yeah. and they, they made the Six Dot Braille label maker. That's, do you know, I have to say, I mean, it looks like something by all accounts out of a, a kid's um, <laughs> yeah, price. Price. it does yeah. you know it's because i mean I so it's does white. the orbit to be fair you know yeah you can't, yeah you can't judge a book by its cover it's, it's no. like white with all these colorful buttons yeah. on it and it's all very yeah, nice yeah. there is there is some cool thing one thing that i really love is that you can hook up a qwerty keyboard to it so if you're not in if you actually don't know how to type braille you can still type on this thing and you can create you know labels in braille i think that's brilliant because that could be useful for lots of people not just for for blind people right or someone who's at home who wants to maybe do a bit of you know label creating for something, um, you know for their partner or whatever. That that could be really useful. Yeah. I, I I think it's I mean it's quite an expensive piece of kit. But- I was just going to say very expensive for what it is, but I do have one and I do really like it. The quality of the braille dots is really really crisp, and what it also does, which is really useful, is when you press the button to cut the tape, it. It cuts the tape, but it also nicks the front of the tape, so you can peel the backing off really easily. Mm. Um, so yeah, cool. I mean, you know, you, you perhaps don't want to spend, you know, four or five hundred quid on a label maker, but if you've got the money to spend, it's well worth spending. Well, I priced this up in Canada, and it's over eleven hundred dollars. So oh really? You know, it's a oh wow, bit that's considered. gone up a lot since I bought it. Yeah. The only thing I'd warn <laughs> you about is uh, be very careful when you get to the end of the roll of tape because sometimes the very end of the roll of tape will get stuck in the rollers and then you've got a hell of a job trying oh, to unstick it. Really? And then, you know, the next roll of tape won't go in and, oh, it, it, it's a nightmare. So just be really careful at the end of a roll of tape. The, the one that really stands out for me in terms of Braille display, in terms of note-taking and all of that, has been the Mantis Q40. I think for me that is the device. You keep going back to that. I, I, I do. This, this is honestly, it, it's stuck in your head. This is your dream machine, it sounds like. Humanware sent me one for a couple of weeks to play with. I hoped that the, the, uh, it got lost in the post when Don't I was returning it. it worked, but that <laughs> didn't work. So, you know, I had to send it back. But it was it's such a good device because... It merges the two things together, which you might want, especially when you're new to Braille, which is you can then focus on your reading and you've got the QWERTY input. And it means that when you're connecting it to a computer, you don't have to think about all the code you might have to learn, you know, to be able to type on it. I mean, not I don't think many people probably do. I'm sure there's some that do, but I think most people probably use a QWERTY keyboard for input on the computer and then just use the Braille mm-hmm. input keyboard for just yeah. the Braille part, if at all. And then they, they read with the display. Actually, Taking that keyboard bit out is interesting. And I wanted to get your take on this because I I wonder, with something like the Mantis, could you just learn to read Braille and not even learn how to type it? Would that be okay? Is that okay? Yes. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think what is important to understand, particularly in the realm of Braille technology, is that Braille reading and Braille writing are very separate skills. I think it benefits you to learn both skills at the same time, because if you write Braille, it will reinforce your reading because you learn to write Braille and then read back what you've written Mm. and and vice versa. Reading Braille will reinforce your writing. So they're very complementary skills. I would never recommend that somebody solely learns just to read Braille or just to write Braille, but they are very, very different skills. And actually... I'm the complete opposite to uh, to you. I actually write a lot more Braille than I read because of Braille screen input on the iPhone. Just what Um, I was going to mention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So actually, 
learning to write braille could actually be the more useful skill in a lot of ways right um but yeah i mean the the q40 i don't have one um i don't want one um (laughs) it's an amazing machine i I have a lot of time for the mantis q40 the reason why i don't want one is because it's only got a laptop keyboard on it and i like my number pad i like my block of six keys with you know the the home the end the page up the page down above the arrow keys you know i like having that and I'm on a desktop computer with a very permanent setup, so I've got the space for it, so why not have it? But I know a lot of people, I mean, look, I grew up with a big keyboard like that. A lot of people didn't grow up with a big keyboard like that. Many people are used to a laptop keyboard. They're quite happy to use the function key with the arrow keys to do you know, home and end and page up and page down. And if that is something that you're happy to do, then for sure the mantis q40 is a great device the only thing i would say have a backup keyboard only i mean look buy a 10 pound you know 15 dollars backup keyboard on amazon or something right because if any of those braille cells go wrong and you need to send it in for repair because the keyboard and the braille display are the same unit you've then not got any way of controlling the computer at all yeah okay one final question for you, Matthew. I could have you on all day on this, but just and we you must come back on and we'll talk more about this. And if people have questions about Braille that we can't answer because we know nothing, yes. um, then uh, <laughs> we'll get Matthew back on to answer them. But sort of just from your knowledge of all of these devices that are out there, if you if money was no object, what would you buy? Core. There's a, <laughs> there's a loaded question because it really does depend on what you want. Of course it does. Um, I'm a big fan at the moment of the Brilliant BI series, the BIX series from Humanware, the BI20X and the BI40X. That's like the, that's like the top of the game, isn't it? That's that's a really good device. It's a really good device and a really reasonable price. Um, I don't know the Canadian prices, but certainly in the UK, you can pick up a Brilliant BI40X for £2,595. Now, that's a lot of money, right? I'm not not disputing that at all. But it's about average for a 40-cell Braille display. And it is a lot of money, but actually, you know, 40-cell Braille displays have been around that price for quite a long time now. So actually in real terms against you know inflation braille display pricing hasn't gone up with inflation so in and, real and the terms, argument is always that you're getting something that will last longer yes. right it's not going to be changing yeah, yeah, 4400 yeah, yeah. canadian just so yeah. you know that's the okay. equivalent so that, that that's that's what you're looking at okay so yeah i i like the the bi40x the bi40x is what i've got on the desk at the moment it is like the mantis but it has a Braille keyboard on it instead of a QWERTY keyboard. I don't much care for the Braille keyboard, to be honest. But, I mean, I want my proper QWERTY keyboard. So, you know, it's what you get. But I like it because it has a good balance for me of being able to connect. I can connect it to the computer via USB. I can connect it to my phone via Bluetooth. I can switch between the devices relatively easily. I just press, you know, the home button and one of the thumb keys. Um if I need to take a quick note and the computer's not in a particularly good place to take the note, I can press a button, go into the Braille, the Brilliant's built-in document reader, take the note. It'll save it as a text file. I can, you know, when the computer's back up and running, connect it up. You know, I, I go into the uh, media devices attached to the computer, copy the text file back and, and Bob's your uncle. And then I can read books on it and stuff as well. So for me, if I had to choose a Braille display at the moment, that's what I would go for. And if you're Sean and... <laughs> And the orbit's your only option. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of joking, right? But I'm I'm also thinking of people who might want to be dabbling in Braille and maybe getting into it and maybe just want a way to engage with Braille, start, you know, typing. Maybe they've gone to one of your courses at the Braillist Foundation or maybe they've been doing a course with Hadley or, you know, whatever it might be, and they want to get started with it. What would you advise they maybe get started with? Maybe that's the better way to look at it. I mean, look, whatever the budget will afford, right? I mean, if you're a student and you've got DSA funding that you can spend on a Braille display, I would still advise getting the 40X, actually, because that funding isn't going to last forever. And that's in the you UK, know, the, right? That's that's UK funding. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and I was going to say the same about access to work, but that's mm. also in the UK. But I'm sure Canada will have similar... Equivalents. Um, it, does, it, it, it does have equivalents, equivalents yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got funding, then get the, the best Braille display you can afford, you know, within the funding, right? Because the Braille display will outlive the funding, almost certainly. If you're funding yourself i mean i would still say get what you can afford but look the orbit is a very good entry level display i'm not going to knock it it's a very very good reader 
it's it, it can take notes um the orbit reader 20 plus has back translation so actually you can save a text file out and and copy it to the computer you can connect it to your phone like i say it can do a lot of the things that the bi series can do it just is a bit noisy and possibly feels a bit cheap and you know all of that sort of thing but <laughs> it's the wish you know, version that's fine yeah, well that's well fine. yeah but i mean you know i it know works. where i am it's fine yeah, it's it's a it's a perfectly good display <laughs> you know if if that's if that's all you can afford you know you'll you'll be happy with an, an orbit reader and there, there are other options as well right if you don't have the money to buy a display like that and obviously you're getting into the hundreds and hundreds of dollars here um there are options like for example the hable one um, yes, which is an and the Orbit Writer. And the Orbit yeah. Writer. Which, yeah. by the way, the Hable One, I don't know if people know this, but it now has a companion app uh, on iOS, which will give you uh, firmware updates on it. I don't know if people know that. Oh, right. It's now cool. there. I, haven't, uh, I haven't got a Hable One. I've heard about the app, but I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there are other ways to do it. And that doesn't, that doesn't have a display on it. It is just an input keyboard. So it's kind of like a tactile version of Braille screen input, I guess, right? Yes. And and for some people, that really works. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't write those off. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, particularly the Hable one, because it's so small. Mm. I mean, it's smaller than an iPhone these days. Yeah. Because uh, iPhones have got quite big. So, <laughs> you know, you can... <laughs> You can stick a Hable one in your pocket and, and off you go. And oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've you know a lot of time for the Hable, but you're not like you said. There's no display, so you're going to input, but you're going to be listening to what you've input, and you might not catch your writing mistakes quite so easily as if you can just feel what you're typing under your fingers. Matthew, so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts. And come back soon. Oh, I will do. Don't you worry. I've got your calendar link now, so there's, there's no okay. stopping. <laughs> well, once you've got that, you can join. That's it. People don't realise if you've got that calendar link for me, you can just basically I'll slide. just keep booking you, you keep in, you know, once in. a week for yeah. the next few weeks, and then I'll start raising invoices. Uh, at, that, at that point, I am unavailable. I think <laughs> the connection's going. I don't know about you, yeah. Sean. I, I feel like I'm, I've gone into a tunnel here, so I don't know what's exactly going on with right. Matthew, but yes. his, his line seems to have just get cut. Break it up. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Matthew Horsepool there. And uh, Sean, that's it for today. Thank you uh, for being with me. And we'll do this again tomorrow. Fantastic. Thank you. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.